So how did this experience with Christ and God and Christ's love and being saved, how did that then eventually orient you back towards the LDS faith? Because you very well could have stayed Episcopalian. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, uh, I thought I was going to. Yeah, I thought God was going to be perfectly happy with me as an Episcopalian because that's where I, you know, that's... I, he fixed everything while, while I was an Episcopalian, right? <laughs> but, right, sure. Um, I was even running the kids program at my parish, hmm. and I was having a wonderful time, and then, I don't know, over a period of maybe two months, uh, maybe a year after my conversion experience, I began to feel more and more strongly like I wasn't supposed to go to the parish anymore. Hmm. And I didn't really know why, and I actually thought that what was happening was that I was tired of running the kids program, and that I was looking for a way to get out of it, and leaving the parish would, would be a way out of it. We, we didn't have very many people there who were willing to do anything. Honestly, it was a really small group, and it was hard to extract yourself from one of the volunteer jobs. It's not like a calling in the Mormon church. You volunteer to do it, but then no one else is going to volunteer to take it from you. Right. So it's not like they rotate you. Um, but I don't know, after about two months <laughs> of feeling more and more like I didn't want to go, and more and more like I shouldn't go... <laughs> and less and less comfortable there, I kind of stopped going and thought I was just taking a break for a couple of weeks. And then one Saturday morning, I, I woke, woke up. I, I mean, literally, I just sat bolt upright in bed at about 6.30 in the morning. And I looked over at Jay, and he was unconscious. And I thought, I can't go back there. And I was filled with this intense, intense dread of going back there. Mm. And it was really weird, actually. I woke him up, and I told him about it, and I said, I just can't go back. And and we talked about it for a while, and, you know, it's private, but I figured out that I actually, you know, I'd actually been ignoring a message. And I did agree when, you know, when I was, when I converted to, um, to do whatever God said. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I just hadn't realized that it was... Yeah, you there know, was that, I didn't know what it felt like. That little thing there that you promised. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it was this, it had begun as this little nagging, the kind of still small voice, and then it had escalated up to a shouting and everything else, but I, I just thought it was me being lazy, mm -hmm. you know. But there's, there's an experience. Yeah, the Holy Ghost sounded like me being lazy, but hmm. there you have it. And so I stopped <laughs> going. <laughs> and about, a, I don't know, about another year after that, we were down in Venezuela, and I hadn't yeah. thought seriously about going back to the church. About three weeks before what I'm about to tell you about happened, a friend of mine in Venezuela said, so you grew up Mormon, do you think you'll ever go back? And I said, nah, no, I don't think so. You know, they're nice and everything, but I, I really don't think I, think I belong there. And then I, we, one day I was sitting in the living room, and I suddenly felt this intense, intense compulsion to rejoin the church. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just this, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it, and it was this, this intense weight. I, I had to rejoin the church. I had to, and I thought, I don't want to rejoin the church. I'm not going back to the church. I don't, I don't want to be Mormon. And suddenly I thought, well, gee, either mm -hmm. I can go back and be Mormon, or this feeling will go away and I'll never have it again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that, because it was a nice, intense weight, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I went into the bedroom where Roasted Tomatoes was watching a basket, game on TV, and I said to him, RT, when we get back to the U.S. in three weeks, I need to be rebaptized. <laughs> hmm. And his jaw kind of dropped open. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, RT, why don't you take it from here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, jumping jumping back, I guess, a, a year or two on this, um, I, when we got married, there was, the, fr fr from my point of view, the the experience of being a married person who's married to someone not in the church in the church was was interesting you know i mean people don't really know how to respond in a family ward to to some 20 something guy who's got a, a wedding ring on but no visible wife who's attending every week right <laughs> and so you know i mean i'm sitting there in the back row in sacrament meeting whenever going along uh, fortunately i had a couple of friends in the ward people that i'd known you know from previously and whatever and so I was able to fit in and eventually even got a calling. There was the gospel doctrine teacher. I had a um, a fan club, no less, as the gospel doctrine teacher. There, were, there was a group of... Um, <laughs> Ooh, can I tell him? Can I tell him? The, the, the blue-haired... Okay. Yes, sure. Okay. So the few times I went to this to the ward with him, you know, it, it, is, it is the Bay Area. It's a little bit different. These... This group of four elderly widows, they were all, I would say, upward to 75 years old, kept running into me, and when they figured out who I was, they grabbed onto me, just grabbed my arm, and they said, Oh, you're RT's wife. We love RT. He's our favorite teacher. Oh. And then one of them said, Just so you know who we are, we're the, we're the ward's Marxist feminist contingent. Uh. And I looked at, the, at them and realized they were serious. Uh. They were. These 80-year-old Marxist feminists. So. Wow, sounds like a Monty yeah. Python skit. Yeah. It, it was it pretty does, cool. <laughs> Did I ever mention that my I name really like our ward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to add right. one thing, though. So, hmm. Which was that... Um, the first thing out of Jay's mouth that night that I told him I was going to be rebaptized was, "But Taryn, if you do that, then someday I might be a bishop." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'd always kind of figured that I would never have to worry about any of the really heavy callings because, you know, I mean, people didn't know how to how to deal with me, and and so I I, I figured, hey, it's going to be a whole life of cupmaster and um, gospel <laughs> doctrine teacher. And, you know, I, I I was I was actually in a way I was kind of happy with that. So. So, so when I found out that that Serenity was in fact going to be coming back to the church, it was, well, it was actually, you know, I, in, in a way, I, standing outside the situation and looking in, I, I'm suddenly this kind of, you know, faith-promoting story missionary hero, right? I mean, I, I married this woman and I, I, I brought her back into the church and, you know, saved her or whatever. But, but in, in actual reality, um, I just kind of, stood there, you know, the whole time. <laughs> I just kind of stood there and, and watched. And and I wasn't really quite sure what my new role was, right? I mean, suddenly we're both going to be, you know, active Latter-day Saints. And, how, you know, how do, I, how, do I, how do I do this, right? How, how do I... Are we are we are we going to be um, you know reading the Book of Mormon together before bed? Are we <laughs> <laughs> How is this going to work? It was it was <laughs> it was it was really it was this whole whole new thing to to negotiate through. I you mean, thought you had been exonerated from all that of, extra you know, stuff, big right? Big change. <laughs> yeah, you know. Also, I remember um, I remember when we went to our ward when I began going with him, and when we would talk to both sides of our our extended family, people kept kind of guilt tripping RT because they uh, they were concerned. You know, he's 
it's not exactly orthodox. And he never really has been, right? And they were concerned that something that he would say about church history or about theology or something else would disillusion me and I would leave the church, not realizing that I was coming back after hearing every negative thing anyone had ever said about the church, right. and that my faith was simply, you know, <laughs> was not in the organization, even though I love the church. You know, I think it's I think it's as good a church as you're going to find on the earth. Um, people were really worried about that. Do you remember that, RT? Yes. People kept telling me about how I have to be careful not to damage Serenity's fragile testimony. <laughs> and and I'm laughing in the back of my mind that, you know, I mean, here here is a woman who has been bonked on the head by God because she didn't get morbid <laughs> quick enough. And, um, <laughs> and somehow something that I'm going to say is going to get in the way of that? I don't think so. <laughs> right. But, um, but so, so this was... I don't know. It was it was really kind of an interesting thing. And then we, my <laughs> favorite part of this, in a way, is how hard it was for us to get Serenity baptized. When she left, it was impossible almost. Really? You know, it, the, the bishop was thrilled. He, I went to this guy's office and I said, "Hi, three years ago I had my name taken my name taken off the records. I need to be rebaptized. Re I need to be rebaptized now." And he said, "Why?" And I said, "God wants me to be rebaptized." And he said. Okay, <laughs> and it took the missionaries four months to get me baptized. He so was actually calling them, yeah. asking them what was going on. So it was Salt Lake. No, it was. It wasn't. The, the church no, 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 had no, 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 no problem with it. It was that the missionaries <laughs> just didn't do a baptismal commitment. They didn't. You know, they came over <laughs> and they did the first discussion, and then they came over, over and over and, and over, and over again. Sort of intermediate thing. And then they came over and did a little thing where they did stacking paper cups to show us the organization of the church. And then they finally gave us the second discussion. And, you know, here I am. I, you know, I, I was Mr. Missionary. I knew, yeah, okay, here we go. At the end of the second discussion, we'll get the baptismal commitment. We can set up a date. And then, and then we'll have to get things moving. So we get to the end of the second discussion, and they've done the whole thing and talked about how we need to be baptized so that we can um, follow Christ. And then they don't issue a baptismal invitation. Oh my goodness. And it goes on and on and on yeah. for months. We figured out we eventually get them to yeah. set a date. Dang. We figured out eventually that what was going on probably was that these kids never got, you know, people who really wanted to listen to them in this area in, in Northern California. They sure didn't get people who called them up and said, I need to be baptized now. <laughs> now, yeah. did you hear me? And I think they were drawing it out because it gave them something to do. Right. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> we actually but went through three sets work of um, companionships. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So those yeah. first elders blew it. They could have had but some we baptisms. Finally, we finally <laughs> yeah, probably nearly the only one they'd have gotten during their mission. Huh. But yeah. we finally did get through. And um, we we got to do the rebaptism. I actually I got to baptize my wife. Not too many not too many people get to do that, you know? Sure. It's, it was really mm -hmm. kind of nice. Yeah. And when we did it, right right after I pulled Serenity out of the water, I, I gave her a kiss. And Not thinking anything of it. In the mm -hmm. chapel, the, you know, I always kiss Serenity. But anyway, everyone in the, everyone in the um, little the baptismal font area um, sort of sighed. And for weeks after that, people came up to us and said, oh, you're so romantic. So it was, it was, oh. kind of a, it was a nice thing. 
Women were coming up to me for about six months afterward asking me for marital advice. Oh. Asking me for, you know, how is your relationship with your husband so good? Because a lot of the word was at the baptism, since it took me so long to get the discussions, and they all knew me, right? Right. And they all thought, it was kind of weird. I was this, I was this what, 25-year-old woman, um, and there were, there were women almost twice my age asking me, asking me about how to talk to their husbands. <laughs> it, sure. was, it was a little disorienting. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a neat story. So, um, so where are you guys now? How are things going now, and, and how have things shaken out post-baptism? Quite well. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're totally Mormon. <laughs> um, my theory is that things must be going well because God hasn't tried to frighten me lately with, with you know, strange emotional experiences. <laughs> I had a couple of, I had a couple of, you know, flaming swords through the heart, and I figure that's not happening. I must be listening. Okay. So. <laughs> that's good to know. How, how long has it been since your baptism then? I think it's been about two and a half years it must be two and a half years yeah yeah because we, we got sealed about a year and a half ago yeah mm -hmm. wow so preparing for the temple you guys prepared for the temple you were sealed mm -hmm. you had you had um rt's family there i imagine oh yeah yeah yes, we did my and uh, and our home teacher mm -hmm. and after we got sealed, um, we both congratulated the home teacher. <laughs> they, you know, accident. we ended he up in a reception line. Us. We said congratulations right back to him. Huh. <laughs> he looked at us like we were crazy, and uh, but <laughs> you know, it had been yeah. such a long day. Yeah, my family was so happy. I mean, you know, it was it was the thing that I think they'd been praying for for years, and 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 you know that was that was a great that it was it was really nice for us to be able to make them that happy. I mean, you know, that's it. It, it, it you know, it was something. It was something that everybody wanted, right? It, well, everybody except for Terrence's family. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a well, different story. You know, my brother my brother was like oh so you're religious again cool you know he's he's a lapsed catholic at this point so um you know he's pretty much cool with anything and my stepmother uh, he's double is, is a double lapsed catholic who, who didn't grow up in utah she likes mormons she's not interested in joining the church but she likes mormons because they were so nice to her when she moved out to utah i don't know 15 years ago and she was all alone so she was very positive about it uh, my dad has tried to be positive about it. He's not comfortable with it, but on the other hand, he's recently taken to doing things like announcing that he's got, you know, the ironic priesthood. So I guess he's having some kind of Mormon identity thing, identity thing going on, and my my rebaptism and our sealing seems to have influenced that. So, mm. you know, so it's it's gone pretty well, I think. You know. Okay. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful to hear um, both of your stories. And how um, you've come together to be unified in your faith. I I um I know my listeners are gonna are gonna love having listened to it, but I I'm not even though it's midnight here in uh, in Logan, Utah, <laughs> and it's uh, eleven o'clock there. I'm not quite happy ending uh, this podcast because um, one of the things you know we believe most strongly at Mormon stories is um, an open forum that uh, people can be open about their views and thoughts without any fear of getting dirty looks during gospel doctrine class or without any fear of retribution. Um, 
and we believe in an open forum not just to let people feel the catharsis of being open and honest but there are a lot of people suffering in silence out there who um you know maybe have a non-traditional view of the church or struggling with certain issues and wonder whether they really fit whether they really belong um and and wonder if if they need to leave because they see things differently than the average vocal sort of zealot guy in Sunday school or in priesthood and they say maybe this church really doesn't belong to me so i happen to know through you know your guys's blog postings and and my relationship um, with you guys over the past little bit that you guys while you're um, active in the church and faithful I wouldn't necessarily peg you guys as having mainstream um, run-of-the-mill uh, simple testimonies I would I would describe at least um, RT's testimonies being somewhat nuanced because we've chatted back and forth a bit about that so I would love to take some time and just ask you guys um, I'll pepper you guys with some questions about your faith, ask you to sort of tell me where you stand. Maybe I'll, I'll rotate um, between the two of you asking you some questions. And, you know, if the other who didn't speak is in agreement, we'll just move on. But if the other wants to sort of supplement or views things differently, then we'll welcome them to uh, respond as well. So let's go ahead and just start uh, right from the top, as it were. Um, would you, would you guys describe your belief in God as being an absolute knowledge that there's a God or or more of a faith and a hope? You know, you've 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 spoken about receiving manifestations or clear signals from God um, or clear communication. So does that leave you um, in the category of saying that, you know, God lives? Where do you guys stand there? You know, that that's. That's a very tricky question, right? I mean, I think, to, look, to be perfectly honest, it, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't have doubts. I mean, there, there are days when I sit there and think, wow, you know, maybe we're just going to die and it's the end. But, but I have faith that, there, that God lives and that there, there's something more going on. And, you know, it's not, it's not sort of crazy nutso faith. I, I feel like it's grounded in, in a real experience, a subjective experience, but a real one. But I would, I, I would say, you know, and, and there's a way that, that in the Mormon tradition we like to call that kind of faith knowledge. And so I can say, yeah, I know that God lives. But, but in, in another sense, that it, it, is, it is really kind of a faith. Yeah. Now, for my part, um, I, I think that I really know that God lives, but it never really leaves my mind that, you know, there's an outside chance that I'm completely delusional. And I guess it just doesn't really bother me because I can't live like that. So I, I think I know that God lives and functionally that's, you know, knowing God lives, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Okay. So so the next uh, the next step is, is Christianity. Um, you know, we talked earlier about uh, if Christianity is true, over half the world is kind of hosed. Unless, of course, the Mormon exceptions for, you know, proxy work for the dead, you know, become legitimate in some significant way. Do you guys see, you know, all the world uh, in the hereafter funneling through Christ? Or do you sort of take the many ways up Mount Fuji approach where some people can be saved through Muhammad and some through Buddha and some through, you know, even agnosticism, Carl Sagan, whatever. Or do you literally see every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Christ, etc.? 
Yeah, you know, for me personally, I I really am a believing Christian, and so in in my in my kind of feeling of this, Christ is the truth, the way, the life. You know, for for me, that's that's the only way that I know of to to really um, connect to God. Now, I know that other people experience God in other ways, and and you know, I I, I obviously can't say what 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 god is going to do with respect to those people but i know that for for me it, it's very important to have that connection to jesus and i think it's important for me to try to share that with others yeah and i guess um i you know, it's always there the thought that hey if if god can fix me god can fix anyone and i'm really not someone who should be arguing with how he chooses to do it but I, I do tend to think that he's going to do it for everyone else the same way he did it for me because I don't really feel like I'm particularly special, if that makes sense. Right. So I, I guess I I think that probably, you know, probably is Christ that we're going to be... I think everyone needs to know about Christ. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. Well, um, so that then if we keep sort of narrowing down the funnel... Um, the next question sort of comes to, you know, Joseph Smith and the Mormon Church. Because we've gone from, you know, a population of 6 billion down to a population of maybe 1 or 2 billion. Um, if, and so the next question is, you know, do you guys view the Mormon Church as God's one true, blessed, official, franchise sort of church upon the earth? Which means that we've narrowed down, you know, from 2, million, two billion down to 12 million but really only 5 million of those are active <laughs> so do you guys do you guys literally view the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as God's only approved official sanctioned church on the earth now I mean before I answer that I, I I'm going to point out that there's a huge I mean there are a huge range of different things that people within the LDS church actually think about that question I mean, prophets have written different things about about you know whether people will have second and third and fourth chances in the next life and and so on and so forth. So 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 that's the way of establishing the fact that I'm going to say that you know no come on I mean if 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 you if you manage to get a connection with Jesus and you do it without ever having heard of the Mormons, I I think you're going to be fine. Um. And I guess I think you know my my story speaks for itself. Jesus saved me when I wasn't Mormon, and he, you know, God God told me to come back here, and it was that or, you know, not have God anymore, but I don't think it was because um, that was the only way God could save me. So That's, I mean, it is the case that, that, well, the both of us find our relationship with Christ nowadays through the LDS Church, so... Yeah, completely, really. So do you, do either of you bristle or shudder or take umbrage in, you know, the conference talks where you just hear it emphasized over and over and over, we have the keys, we have the authority, we're the one true church. Did, you know, does that send chills up your spine? Does that frustrate you? Or are you immune to that? Or, you know, <laughs> where, do, where do you stand on that? I think it sounds weird, honestly. I mean, I, I don't mean... <laughs> okay, a church is a collection of people. How can you have a true collection of people? The church is the body of Christ. How can you have um, how can you have 
a real body of Christ and a fake body of Christ. I don't think that works. I, I just think it's a very poor choice of phrasing. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely accept that, that the leaders of our church have authority to lead our church. You know, mm-hmm. they, they obviously do. God doesn't call you to do something without giving you authority to do it. They have the authority to do baptisms and temple ordinances, and, and you know, absolutely, I, I absolutely accept that. Um, and, you know, subjectively, for a lot of people, I understand that the LDS Church is the only true church. I, from, from my point of view, for a lot of us, it may be the only true church in the sense that it's the church that God wants us to be in. Yeah, for, for me, it's functionally the only true church because, you know, I can't leave it. Right. <laughs> but but if, if someone says to me that they've, you know, found a relationship with Christ through, through the Catholic Church and that they're very happy there, I'm, I, you know, I'm happy to have a dialogue with them. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to see if there's anything I can add to what they have. I'm happy to see if there's anything they have that they can add to me. But I don't feel like I need to sort of twist their arm into anything. Right. Yeah. Okay. That That's fair. So um, let's move to Joseph Smith then. Um, uh, you know, it's obvious that you guys have, have read a considerable amount about, you know, New Mormon history. Um you know, about all the different controversies and issues surrounding Joseph Smith's early life, you know, um, how have you come to reconcile uh, all the glorious um, charisma and power that that clearly was manifested along with all the incredible foibles and mistakes and sometimes grave issues that also seem to um, pop up in, in Joseph Smith's life? Where do you guys stand on the prophet? I think that if he hadn't been a human, you know, and potentially a human who did all kinds of weird things, maybe even some bad things, you know, the only other way for him to have the rest of what you were talking about would have been to be, you know, a resurrected perfect being, an angel, and then he wouldn't have been a prophet, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I I totally believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet. I mean, in a way, in fact, that we haven't seen since. He he was um, standing up there and teaching and teaching jesus to to the heathens really in a way if you look at the um, the early 19th century america there were a whole lot of people who didn't have a church and didn't have a religion and he was standing up and saying no look jesus is the way and and here you go and that that is what a prophet is i mean i i totally i anything about we want to talk about maybe you know the search stones in the book of mormon okay that, that that's a little funny to me it's an interesting story um the polygamy thing i i i, I have serious doubts that that God wanted polygamy to happen but all of that I can say all of that and still say yeah he was a prophet because he he did bring a whole bunch of people to Christ and you know you can't do that without God wanting you to right you know beyond that hey you know this the seer stone stuff that kind of thing so you know God talks to me through funny feelings and compulsions and and creepy movies quite Uh, frankly right you know I, I just don't have a problem with <laughs> revelation. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not one of these people like like Michael Quinn who's going to stand up and say that I absolutely believe in the seer stones. You know, I I I'm just not sure. It it seems a little funny to me, but on the other hand, who cares? It's a good book. I mean, I don't. It's a book that brought me to Christ. How, how, who am I to look a gift horse in the mouth? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it could do that if it weren't from God. Okay, so so that takes us to the next big question as to the historicity of the Book of Mormon. Where do you guys stand on that? Well, I, I actually said online today that, that I, I am trying to advance, my, my new agenda is to advance an Andean limited geography. <laughs> oh, great. 
with, with alpacas as the horses, because frankly they're far more horse-like than sloths. And 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 <laughs> I think that's where I'm going to stand on that. Okay, is that tongue in cheek, or are you serious? He's joking. Okay. <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, look, I I like to read. Um, American anthropology. It's it's a hobby of mine. You know, I, I study Latin America for a living, not not in the ancient past, in the present, but but in terms of, you know, I have a total interest in the region and I'm not a professional at all. So I'm not going to render sort of independent judgment. But but I I haven't seen I haven't seen any evidence that compels me to believe that there were ancient Hebrews in Middle America. And beyond that, you know, I I gained my testimony. I was converted by reading the New Testament. And even before I read it, I knew how it was written. I knew that most of it was written long after the people um, who who were the claimed authors actually lived. I knew that it was written often in committee. And I knew the way that the, that the New Testament was actually collected and constructed by the early Christian church. And that didn't bother me. I mean, I, those, for the most part, the, the documents in the New Testament weren't actually from the people they claimed to be, but they were clearly, you know, what needed to be in the New Testament. <laughs> and right. so I guess I don't care if if Joseph Smith got a revelation that was a direct translation of an ancient document or if Joseph Smith got a revelation that was a story that, you know, was some kind of universal truth rather than rather than Bob, Bob the Nephites journal. You know, I don't care. Amen on that one. I, you know, I'm not going to stand up and say that it didn't happen. I'm, the, the evidence can never definitively prove this sort of thing. And, and just in case, I sort of don't want to hurt Nephi's feelings because he says he's going to see us at the judgment bar. <laughs> but look, if, if it turns out that it if if it turns out that it was inspired fiction, if it turns out that it was pseudepigraphic, just like Serenity said, that doesn't make something not scripture. Right. Yeah, it's God speaking to us through whatever veils he can, you know, speak to us through. Exactly. Okay, so I'll I'll end if it's okay with two mm-hmm. final questions. Right. Um uh I would love so so you guys have sort of strayed and come back so to speak. These are my words not yours, but you've each had your journeys where you were in and then you you felt distanced and and removed and detached in 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 certain levels and then now you both sort of feel like you're you're stronger and more committed and and closer um to the to the LDS faith than you've ever been before so i'd love to hear um a sort of a candid review on both your parts of you know the things that still frustrate you the things that um you wish could change if you could you know go up to the prophet and say hey prophet here are five things i need you just to fix you know what would be the things that that you feel would make the church move a lot closer towards towards zion towards what you would really love the church to be and then i'll have you each sort of flip that coin and and we'll end by you saying you know what are the things that just bring you the most joy the things that 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 um, reaffirmed to you your faith and your conviction and your certainty that you've made the right move back towards the faith again. What are the things you love most about the church? So have you take both those questions as we wrap up. Okay. Well, I mean, starting out, I'm, I'm as a lot of people would be, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. 
you know, I'm I'm not a person who's been called by God to run the church, and so I'm a little bit uncomfortable um, saying what I would change. But a way, another way of trying to answer that question would be to say something like um, the things that 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 in my experience are a little bit hard. And I can say I can I can answer that. I I, I think I find it a little bit hard um, to relate to our current stance towards towards um, gay and lesbian people. Mm-hmm. I find it hard to to relate to our our current stances on some women's issues. Um, I find it very hard to to relate to the to the way we've approached multiculturalism, which is to say the the way we are avoiding approaching multiculturalism. The, these may be the best decisions that the people in question can make, and you know, who am I to say that I could do better? But they are things that frustrate me. Um, I guess, yeah, putting in the same disclaimer as Jay, you know, I'm not. I'm not in charge of the church. God hasn't given me that kind of responsibility. I'll tell you what I, I wish we did and what I hope that we will see in the future. Because, um, you know, it would be great. Is I, I wish that we could figure out a way to welcome, especially our members in the third world, into the church more completely than than I've seen us doing well, you know, while we've traveled. And I wish we could find a way to even out the distribution of fast and testament, you know, of fast offerings, because the way it is now, um, the U.S. is actually a net importer of fast offerings, which is isn't that true? Well, that's a story that I've heard. But I, I, I have been unable to get it definitively right. either confirmed or denied. But yeah, it doesn't. I guess at some level, it doesn't really matter. At, at the very least, we certainly aren't sending the kinds of the kind of help that could be useful to many of our members in the third world out of the country. And I understand that's because we're taking care of the saints in this country. But I hope that someday we'll be so righteous that the leaders can say, hey, we have all of this extra stuff in the U.S. Let's send it to the people in Peru. Let's send it to the starving saints who can't afford to buy scriptures in Caracas, Venezuela. Which, you know, these are true things. Right. You know, I I hope that someday that we'll be able to see that, you know. Amen and amen. <laughs> Very I think good. Might part, I think that might partly be a problem with it, with U.S. members, with how we think about these kinds of things more than anything else, more than the leadership. Right. So you also asked us to talk about what really reaffirms our faith. Yes, let's end on the very positive note. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, there there are lots of things. Uh, one is taking the sacrament, that, that moment of sitting back and reflecting on, on Christ and, and my relationship with God through Christ always brings me back to what really matters in this. Um, another thing, and this, this may sound funny to people, is, is church history. You know, I mean, for everybody, this is a big issue, the church history. You, you can study your way out of it. No, no, this is, this, is, this is our heritage. This is who we are. I mean, you look back at these people who've, who, 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 cared about the church enough. I was reading William McClellan's journal and um, this guy, he, he ran into missionaries and immediately left his home and ran off to investigate the church and basically never went back. And I mean, the kind of belief that would lead you to do something like that, it's, it's awe-inspiring. That, that is one of these things that, that really, really brings home to me why, why I'm 
doing this stuff. And then last but not least, it's, it's you know, the wonderful people in our ward, the people we know online, and these people who, who reflect the love of Christ back to me also. Also remind me why, why we're sort of doing this. Very, that's very nice. Very good. Um, when I came back to the church, I was really anxious about talking to people about why I came back. I, I didn't want to tell them that God had told me to because I found that it implied for people that God had given me some kind of witness of the church. And he hasn't. And I think that's probably because I'm someone who needs to depend totally on God and totally on Christ and not on anyone else. And just trust them that this is where I need to be. And just trust them that the things that the church wants me to do are things I should do. You know, trust God and Christ, not really trust the people around me because God and Christ are the ones I avoided for so long. I was worried about p- telling people this. I thought that they, would, they wouldn't understand me. And if they did understand me, they would think that I was denying the church somehow or they would think there was something wrong with my testimony. And I had a couple of bad experiences where people asked me to bear my testimony, and I did. And I just, you know, I just told them the bare bones of, of you know, my faith in the atonement and in God, and they got kind of upset because I didn't even think about it at, at the beginning, but they felt like I was leaving the important stuff out. Huh. You know, I was leaving the truth of the church and and the prophets and things like that. Partly things that I felt were kind of implied, honestly, <laughs> in, in my belief that God wanted me to be Mormon. And so every single time I bear my testimony and someone says, I understand, or they say, you know, that sounds, that sounds like something that, that sounds like me, or that sounds like someone I know, or, wow, that's really different from my experience, but I'm so glad it happened. Whenever this happens, and it happens, you know, every time I talk to anyone about it, it makes me feel so good <laughs> Right. You know? to know that people want me to be here. Um, yeah. You know, that, that God isn't the only one who thinks this is the right thing for me. It makes me feel welcome, and it makes me feel loved. And, you know, that's, that's Christ's love. Yeah. And that reaffirms my faith in Christ and my place in the church. Well, beautiful. Now, now I'm going to violate what I said before, and I'm going to ask one last question. Okay. Um, this is, you know, you could consider this a question for me, but it, but I think there's a lot out out there who could really use your perspective in giving an answer to this. There, there's a lot of folks out there who who have read the church history, the the New Mormon history, and feel like it's not being discussed candidly in church, and that it's even being glossed over a bit. And they go to church, and they feel like sort of the dogmatic zealot type folks have have the microphone most of the time in sacrament meeting and are the most vocal people in Sunday school and in priesthood and they really feel out of step with the mainstream church they they almost feel like they don't belong they almost feel like it's not their people anymore and so you know you guys have obviously found a way to bridge that to feel at peace what advice can you give people who are struggling to feel like they still fit in, to feel like this is still their church? What advice can you give them, um, coping mechanisms or perspectives, so that they can find peace and happiness in the faith, feeling um, at times so different from the mainstream? Ha. Just don't let them take the church from you. <laughs> this is our church. It's all of our church. Don't let anyone define you out. This is our community. You know, look, I, I, it's absolutely true that we don't talk about our history 
as openly as, as maybe some of us would like to at church. We had a, meet, a, a, a Sunday school lesson just recently on um, the, the polygamy period in Utah history, in church history, and we never talked about polygamy, hmm. even once. We never talked about theocracy. None of these things happened. You know, we, we somehow went through this entire lesson with the succession crisis with the um, church in Utah period, and no one mentioned the Council of Fifty. And, you know, I sit there and I feel really frustrated because we're, we're, missing the, we're missing a big part of the story here. You know, no 19th century Mormon would have recognized the story of Mormonism without the, the temporal kingdom of God and polygamy in the mix. That was a big part of what they thought they were. And, and somehow for us, we, we've redefined that period as not being about that. And, you know, I feel my frustrations. And I, I sit there in the back of the room and I say to myself, these other people in the room don't know about this stuff. And if I were to say something, they would think I was just being aggressive. It would disrupt the meeting. And so I just sort of sit there and Serenity and I go home and complain afterwards. <laughs> and then we write a post and put it on the Internet where a bunch of other people who know exactly what we know um, <laughs> be able to look at it and everything will be fine. Um, you know, no one can say that we don't belong other than God or someone God sent to say that. And as long as we want to stay, and I'm not saying by we, I don't mean, you know, me and serenity, but come on, there's, there's a larger we out there. The people who, who feel like there's maybe a pressure to not be like that in the church, you know, to not really understand that, that, um, that Joseph Smith had a bunch of wives or something. Come on, we, we can combine a real understanding of our history and a real awareness of the problems with belonging to the community. The, the, all we have to do is just decide we're going to do it. Right. Huh. And there's one thing I'd like to add to that, which is that, you know, my habit is to get annoyed with people who I feel like are trying to avoid this or trying to get the rest of us to avoid this. You know, I, I read... I read, you know, occasionally I'll read Meridian, Meridian magazine, for instance, and I'll get all, oh, how can they, how can they ignore our history? And then I think, wait, I'm supposed to treat these people with love and respect, and if I met them or talked to them, I'm fairly sure they would treat me that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it helps me a lot to remember that if someone knows about this stuff and is avoiding it, it's because it genuinely causes them some kind of anxiety, and we're going to have to work a way around that as a community. And if they don't know, you know, it's not their fault that, that the whole thing, you know, that the whole thing is weird for me, the way we're dealing with it. So that helps me a lot, you know. Right. In other words, the church isn't just the place where we witness Christ-like acts, but where we actually learn to become more Christ-like. Yes. <laughs> I would hope so, yeah. And, and this is, I, I, Serenity's take on this is just great. I think this is a great way to be Christ-like. And, you know, I mean, the other thing to remember is that when we think about the history, we have a temptation to think about it as, does this prove the church is true or prove it's false? That, that's a really reductive and unhelpful way to think about history. I mean, it's history of a bunch of people trying to do God's will, and there are also a bunch of really interesting stories. And, you know, there are a lot of ways to approach this other than, well, did Joseph really have the first vision? I mean, come on, let's, let's, keep, let's move on. <laughs> right, right. Well, um, Serenity Valley and Roasted Tomatoes, I can't uh, thank you both enough for your patience and your willingness to come on Mormon Stories. Um, I've certainly thoroughly enjoyed both of your stories and your perspective. 
Well, thank you, John. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. It really has. It's been great. Yeah, and um, I want to encourage everyone to please visit the uh, Latter-day Saint Liberation Front, uh, Front website. What's the exact URL, guys? It's ldsliberationfront.blogs.com, or you can find us through the ldsblogs.org um, list. And I'm pretty sure we link to you from uh, Mormon Stories as well. I, oh, cool. <laughs> well, yeah. we back, so. <laughs> yeah. So, again, uh, you guys have an inspirational story. I'm inspired by it, so I appreciate you taking the time to share it with us. I know our listeners uh, appreciate it well. Um, please, uh, those of you who are listening, please um, go up to mormonstories.org and post your thoughts and comments. We'd love to hear from you. If you, if you like the things you've heard, please uh, let us know. If you have follow-up questions for uh, Serenity Valley or Roasted Tomatoes, please feel free to post those too. I'm sure you guys are willing to uh, monitor that and chime in as necessary. Is that right? Sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And um, once again, we'd just like to thank you most of all for coming on. We hope to um, have others of you uh, come forth to share your uh, stories as well. Um, but with this uh, episode, we'd like to go ahead and come to a close um, and invite you to please join us next time here on Mormon Stories. Thanks so much. And again, thanks to you both for coming on. Thank you. Okay. The depth of your dream.